For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Everything Auburn. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by Jason Campbell, here to talk, you guessed it, everything Auburn. And we have a great episode for you today. We are, of course, going to be recapping the NFL draft, talk about the Auburn players that heard their names called this past weekend, also talk about the guys who have now signed as undrafted free agents and what is next for them. We're also going to talk some news that came out couple weeks ago in regards to an interesting rule change in the NCAA and then we have a wonderful guest another Auburn great also NFL great and pretty much any other occupation you can think of this man's probably done it Takio Spikes is going to be joining us talk all about the draft his amazing playing days and what he has been up to ever since football ended so it's going to be a great episode we hope everyone is enjoying your time in the quarantine in the queue if uh if you will but um I'm about ready to get the freak out of here how about you Jason well, hey, what can I say? You know, today is an awesome day. Um, we get a chance to interview one of the legends that played at Auburn. And, you know, he's a legend in the NFL as well. And what a great yeah. interview. Uh, you know, everyone, you're you're in for something special. But um, also talk about this draft. Like you said, you know, exciting time. Had some big surprises. No, not to us, but to probably a lot of people across the country. But um, uh-huh. it was a great, great weekend. I thought the NFL handled it really well with the virtual tour. I thought the kids still had an opportunity to to have excitement with the ones that, you know, that love you the most, uh, you know, your family and, 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 you know, whoever you consider in your corner. So it was a exciting time. And I was happy to see to see the Auburn guys get drafted and, and some of the other guys that I know uh, from a personal, uh, small mentor type level that I help out with. So it was encouraging. And like I said, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. I agree with you about the draft. I honestly, I was a little apprehensive about how all of this was going to go down because first of all, it's never been done this way before. And like, there is just no way to prevent glitches when you have this many like webcams and locations and Mm -hmm. these, like some of these kids assembled their own broadcast kit. Chances are they've mixed up wires. Let's be honest. I just was like, there's no way that this is going to go off without a hitch. And I was so impressed being on the television side of things like any live broadcast has its challenges okay like live tv is not easy and the draft is one of the most challenging broadcasts because of how many moving parts there are and this was such uncharted territory that had like never been done in this way before and i thought it was entertaining i thought it was heartfelt and I thought it it had a good flow to it which I just I commend everyone involved because that was no easy task oh yeah and the the part that I took away from it is I think some of these GMs and executives understand like I don't have to spend so much time away from my family as I do 
because yep. I can involve my family in some of the things that I'm doing and not just say, like, I got to be at the office 14 hours. You know, time right. is valuable. And how you spend it, you know, your kids need to see you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to just be a provider from a financial standpoint, but you need to be stable. You need to build stability in the family, you know, like, and I, I, I think they was nervous about that before everything started to transpire over the weekend with the draft. And I think mm -hmm. once they got a chance to, like, see how people saw them interact in their homes with their kids and their kids got a chance to see what their dad does for a living, you know, or their mom does for a living. And now I feel like they realize like, you know what, I can embrace my family a little bit more into what I do. And like, this wasn't so bad, you know, so maybe yeah. I can cut a few hours at work and come home and still get my work done because now they get a chance to see it live nationally and understand what it is that I do on a day to day basis. Right. No, I thought it was such a unique way to kind of bridge the gap that sometimes exists between like home life, family life and the business of the NFL. And, and I thought it was it was really cool to see family and, and kids and dogs of, of these people that have such a business aura about them. And even for the kids, you know, that got drafted, I shouldn't call them kids, but I mean, the young men that got drafted to kind of share that moment at home with their families and, and kind of see uh, the, the fruits of their labor in, in the place that raised them to be who they are now. I, th I thought there was something really special about it. So I, I was pleasantly surprised. I think one of the stars of the draft, other than the couple of girlfriends who ended up going viral, oh dear goodness, that was terrible. Oh, uh, CeeDee Lamb had, gotta keep your head on a swivel, man. But uh, also Cliff Kingsbury's house, my God, did you see his living room that, come on like, did i see it you know i'm oh a my. whole person as far as like i'm into designing and stuff so when i saw <laughs> that i said man that whole glass window looking out to the pool oh out to my the gosh back with the mountain view i said man i was just like i, I gotta do a little bit better yeah I, I just found some new goals to go around here and reach I, I i need to work a little bit harder i was just like man <laughs> But the truth ridiculous. is, you're always going to see something better. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the picks from the draft, specifically these Auburn guys. We were in hopes, we had high hopes that this was going to be the record-setting year for Auburn picks, but still incredibly successful. We actually tied this whole record once again with six picks. But very impressive is that for the 14th consecutive year, the SEC has the most players selected in the draft. LSU had the most picks with 14, followed by Alabama at nine. So let's talk about these Auburn guys that got drafted, the one that was no surprise and landed pretty much exactly where we predicted he would. Seventh overall pick, Derek Brown to the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers actually had an all-defensive draft, which was not mm -hmm. surprising to me at all. This is a complete reload for this team, specifically for this defense that really, really struggled last season. And I think the stage is set for Derek to have a really solid rookie season. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, when you think about the Carolina Panthers and going all defense, it starts with Derek up front. You know, you have to build from yeah. the interior then to the outside. And for them, you know, you look at this situation like, yeah, they got to go all defense. Look at their division. You know, you're facing mm -hmm. Drew Brees twice a year. You're facing now Tom Brady twice a year. Then you got Matt Ryan and Julio Jones twice a year. So, you know, you better be built and, and ready to try to keep people off the scoreboard if you want to have an opportunity to win. So, you know, rightfully so, they lost a lot of guys um, on that side of the ball, a lot of leaders. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, Derrick is the he's the blueprint. He's the he's the type of guy to, to try to build around. I think that he's the he's the he's their core. And uh what's an outstanding place for him to go. There's no it's mm-hmm. not too far from Auburn, it's not too far from Georgia where he's born and raised, um, here in the Atlanta area. So, you know, for his family to get there and watch him play, it doesn't always have to be a flight. They can drive up, enjoy the enjoy the journey. Yep. So, you know, to see him go seven, I, I feel like if he didn't end up going four to Detroit, yeah. that he would fall to seven because the next two is going to take quarterbacks, which they, which they did. So, you know, he's a highly talented kid, you know, with some much success and, uh, and greatness in the NFL, and, and he's going to do it. You know, he's like what you see on film is what you get on a day-to-day basis. And uh, and I'm not just talking about on the football field, but I'm talking about off the field as well. Like he's one of those high-character guys, like – you can win with high character guys because yep. they're going to always give you maximum effort. I agree. And and Derek's somebody who has always possessed this maturity about him and the way he carries himself on and off the field. I mean, he, he didn't get the nickname baby Barack for nothing, you know, like he's, <laughs> he's a very, he's a stand up guy. And even, you know, in the midst of everything that was going on that night with the draft, I saw several interviews he did and he's, you can tell he's grateful don't don't get me wrong but he's all business like you can just Mm -hmm. see it in his eyes like yes this is a special moment that I'm soaking in but like I have a job to do and that comes first and I, I think the Panthers are really lucky to have him all right let's move on to the other first round pick I was so excited to see this guy go in the first round cornerback Noah Igbenogany was picked 30th overall and is headed to Miami to play for the Dolphins. And I mean, we talked about this guy's story last episode. That just, I mean, this was a wide receiver in high school. Like he, he randomly got thrown to the defensive side and ended up being a staple for Auburn. And and now he's seeing himself as a first round draft pick. Like that is just the perfect testament of of perseverance. And I'm super excited to see what he's going to do in Miami. Yeah, when you look at when you look at Noah, both his parents was athletic, were athletes, you know, and uh, both of them Olympians. Was, yeah, Olympians. So you think about it, he's come from, you know, a a good core. Put it that way. This guy's a guy that you look at and you'd be like, hey, anytime you can switch from the receiver position to DB in the same week and start at yep. defensive bat the same week that you switched over, like that means. Like your hips and your and your knees and your concept of the game is all intact. So that means you learn so much when you was at the receiver position about what the DBs on how they're supposed to defend the receivers that you took into that knowledge that when you got switched over, you wasn't starting from the beginning because you was paying attention to all the S's and O's while you was playing offense. And yeah. and that helped your game on that side of the ball. So you kind of can put your mindset into a receiver on what he's thinking on the third and five, what he's thinking on how I got to get open on slant versus press, right. or how I get open on a deep ball versus press. So you already know what the receiver is thinking, so you're able to play the ball a little bit better than most guys that's only played one side of the ball their whole life and their whole career. So, you know, it wasn't a big surprise to me. I mean, we talked about it in a couple of our shows, and I felt like he was a guy that could sneak into the first round, late mm-hmm. first round, because – his name was floated around and, and uh, his upside is so great. I said, you know, in the NFL, it's all about upside. It's all they talk about upside, upside. Yeah. And I said, well, this kid fits the narrative then. I was like, he's the kid right. that can come in and, and he's still young and, and still learning what the defensive back position is all about. So, you know, kudos to him going to Miami. Uh, I think he's going to do great down there. You know, he's in warm weather, you know, mm-hmm. if he can, you know, keep his mind right. You know what I'm saying? You're in Miami. 
Yeah, stay focused. Stay focused. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think he has an opportunity to have a great career. I agree. He and uh, Chandler Cox going to be reuniting down there. So that, right. that'll be pretty cool to see. But yeah, I certainly think that it's it's been a unique past few months for him. I think the the interest and the intrigue of, of his potential in the league has really grown since the end of season, which which is interesting to see kind of how he took advantage of, of the opportunities since season ended to kind of prove his value. And it certainly worked going in the first round. So then somebody who slid a little bit still in you know so much to be proud of but Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of a surprise for me Marlon Davidson was selected round two pick 47 by the Atlanta Falcons obviously that's gonna be so cool to see he and Derek match up against each other in the (laughs) NFC South twice a season but uh why do you think that he was still available by pick 47? Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with his his playability. I think it's just a matter of these teams picking and what their needs were. You saw a lot of receivers sure. and running backs go early in the second round that you thought was going to go in the first round. You know, you look at Swift and you look at the the kid, the receiver from Clemson Higgins and mm-hmm. the receiver from USC, you know, like the Pittman kid. So it's just guys that you thought may have a chance to go in the first round, you know, end up sliding in the second round. This second round was just as good as the first round. Uh, Definitely. Many guys, you could have flip flop and you would say, hey, I could see that, you know. So this draft was really deep, uh, was very deep. So it didn't it surprised me a little bit that he slid. But then you look back at the draft, it's all based on what need when their pick comes up. And, and for him, hey, he ended up in Atlanta. He's from Alabama. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, his family can get over here and see him. And like I said, he'll see Derek twice a year. So I'm pretty sure they'll be deciding who's going to flip the bill for dinner uh, tonight <laughs> yep. the before games, you know. Uh, so it's a great spot for him. I feel like, um, you know, Atlanta, they're on the up. You know, last year they started off really low, really slow. But oh, towards yeah. the end of the year, they, they caught fire a little bit, started to find their rhythm again. So I think they're building their defense. And, you know, they took a corner with their first pick from Clemson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then they took Marlon with their second pick as a defensive lineman. So, you know, they're trying to show you, they're trying to build for defense, but offensively they feel like they're there, you know, with adding Todd Gurley and already having Julio and everyone else. So uh, I think it's going to be great for him. You know, it's a great spot. Like I say, he, he got an opportunity to go in there and make him a, make him a name. I agree. I, I do think that it's a good fit. This Falcons team really struggled defensively last year, which is weird because Dan Quinn is such a defensive minded guy. And, and so you watched the Falcons last year and you were like, where is the disconnect on that side of the ball? It was very confusing. And and you bring in a guy like Marlon, who we know is he's an aggressive physical lineman and and he can kind of play anywhere from a a one technique to a five technique he can be scheme versatile so I I think that they see his potential you've seen the productivity that he had in college and the past few months again a guy who really took the pre-draft process uh to his advantage and, and really proved his upside specifically as a pass rusher along the D line. So I think he has the tools to be a starter his rookie season. And I think being drafted by the Falcons also increases that chance for him. So then we move on to the next Auburn pick, which happened in the fourth round. Jack Driscoll was selected by the Philadelphia Eagles. And just another guy that I, I'm so excited to see this dream come true for him. This was a two-star recruit out of high school. Mm-hmm. You think for a second he dreamt he would be going in the fourth <laughs> round? 
Well, I think for him, I think once he got to Auburn and he started to put, put his talents against everyone else's talents, I think he probably realized like, hey, I can do this. All it takes is just a little bit of confidence, Taylor. These kids sometimes mm-hmm. just need to be just to, need to be nudged. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, some a lot of people, a lot of people do things in life and they're just going through the motion. But if they actually realize how good they could be at it, if someone just came along, just nudged them a little bit, then they realize they could be great at something. Then their thinks and their process starts to go bigger and beyond what they had before. And I think he's one of those kids. I think the light bulb just went off to him. And then he's just like, hey, I can go and compete at the next level. I think Philadelphia is a great spot for him because of the type of offense they run. It's not a similar offense to what Auburn does. They do things quick. They get to the line of scrimmage quick. They sometimes get to the huddle. They like to call plays back-to-back sometimes and get the ball out with a lot of RPOs. And Auburn does a lot of RPOs. So Wentz, yep. I've seen Wentz do a lot of it. So, you know, this is going to be a great fit for him going to, going to Philly. So, um you know, I'm happy for him. I'm proud that, you know, a couple of offensive linemen got drafted. So that was good. You know, it was good. We had a, a deep senior class. Definitely. And uh, another one of those who is actually going to be Jack Driscoll's continued teammate, Prince Tega Winogo, was also selected by the Eagles, but in the sixth round. So obviously, mm-hmm. I, I skipped one because I wanted to talk about Prince, but I will mention safety. Daniel Thomas was drafted in the fifth round to the Jaguars. But Prince, I wanted to get your opinion on this one because we talked a lot about what he was up against heading into this draft. Like we've said a million times, he was not cleared. He was red flagged in his physical at the Senior Bowl in January and was not allowed to play due to a knee injury that he he had sustained at the beginning of the season but played through. So he got a knee scope and he was not able to to participate in the combine or the pro day. He had another uh, practice day scheduled, essentially his own pro day, but it had to be canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. So he had not been able to do anything in front of scouts, in front of coaches. The only thing that was representing him in the draft was his tape from college. And and we wondered how much that would plague him in a, a draft class that was this stacked. And I do think that had that setback not happened for him, we would have seen him go earlier than round six. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, like I said, he was one of the people that was sent the stuff for the first 50, for the first yeah. 50 guys taken off the board. So that means the NFL and some of the prospects thought highly of him. Uh, the thing that hurts is, well, you're not able to go through a pro day. You're not able to go through any combine, combine drills. And then you compound that with everything that's going on with the COVID-19. And everyone's kind of like in this space. And I think for him, he just kind of got lost in the space because yeah. they didn't get a chance to see him. And like I talked about in the last episode, the eye candy test, you know, a lot of what you do is the eye candy test when people get a chance to see you up close and see you work out and see how you move and they writing down every little thing that you do. They yep. didn't get a chance to do that with him. The only thing they could go off of is the film and just, you know, sit down face to face with him and have a character interview. But they didn't get a chance to get that one on one eye candy test that yeah. they always like to do in the NFL. And, you know, fortunate enough, unfortunately, you know, he failed in the draft. But at the end of the you're in the National Football League and you have yep. an equal opportunity to go out there and prove those that was that was drafted in front of you wrong. And the, and the t- people that passed on you can look back four years from now, you sign your big contract because how you showed them how well you can play in your rookie contract, then it doesn't matter anymore. 
because right. you got that opportunity. I, I think that this is going to be a success story and every success story has a setback at some point. And, and so I think that's going to be part of his, but I, I think he's going to translate to the league. Well, Gus Malzahn said that the Eagles got a complete steal in Winogo. And I agree with them. I mean, the fact that he was still there by round six, I think they are, they're getting a playmaker and maybe one that's been counted out a little bit. And that sometimes serves as even more motivation for these guys. So I'm excited to see what he is able to do. So that wrapped up the six that were officially drafted. And then of course, after that undrafted free agency signings happening. So I'll list those off real quick. Jeremiah Denson, Mike Horton, and Aaron Sippos all signed with the Lions, which I found that interesting because uh, there were two head coaches that attended Auburn's Pro Day, and it was the Lions and the Giants. And lo and behold, the Lions mm -hmm. end up signing three undrafted free agents from Auburn. So I think that's just a great testament to uh, the importance of Pro Day. Um, and then Javaris Davis to Kansas City, Markel Harrell to Buffalo, Spencer Knight to Pitt, and a couple other guys are, are still kind of talking out some options. Uh, were any of these surprises to you as far as not getting drafted? And which of these guys do you think – will end up getting signed? Ooh, if I have to think, uh, you think corner position, I think Jeremiah Denson may have a shot to get signed in Detroit. I know they okay. took a, a CUDA uh, from yeah. Ohio State with a third pick, but they let their top corner go last year. They traded him to the Eagles. So mm -hmm. I think anytime you get young corners, I think it, it, is, it is great because that's a position with all the offensive sets that are going on now in the, off in the NFL where everything is such a pass-happy league. Right. You, need, you need corner depth. So I think he has an opportunity. I think I think Jabari Davis had an opportunity with Kansas City. Um, you know, that's another position, corner position and everything. And I think in that division with Denver drafting two younger receivers with their first two picks, Oakland drafting two receivers, I think, you know, it goes to show you that people are trying to spread the football around. They're trying to put as much pressure as they can on defenses and everything and catch them in situations where, where the RPOs are getting to them. So you you got to have that corner depth because when you have these guys running out on the island a lot, you know, hamstrings happen, hips happen. You right. know, it's just you need that depth. So I think anytime you're in a corner position, you definitely have an opportunity to make the football team because you can play special teams as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I could see that happening. Um, another one that uh, signed as an undrafted free agent, and I wanted to make him separate because I want to talk about him individually, is Will Hastings. He was signed by the Patriots. And weirdly enough, when I saw this headline, I felt like I had read it before. You know what I mean? Like, I just, oh, yeah. I felt like that conversation has been happening for so long that, like, Will Hastings was going to get a shot with the Pats. And obviously, the joke is there because the Pats have a history of, of kind of developing some undersized but shifty slot receivers. They first did it with Wes Welker. Then Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, and Will Hastings fits that mold. Also take into the account that one of his best friends, Jarrett Stidham, is mm -hmm. poised to be the starting quarterback for the Pats this year. But what do you think is, is the likelihood of him becoming a, a caliber receiver like those predecessors, Edelman and, and Amendola? Because what I did see interesting, I was reading up on some of the comparisons. So Will Hastings doesn't weigh as much as any of those three, but he's... <laughs> He's taller than Wes Welker, and he's about mm -hmm. the same height as Amendola and Edelman. And his 40 time, which was a 4-5 at Pro Day, is better 
Then each of those three ran in their pre-draft workouts before joining the league. And his 33-inch vertical and 9-foot-8 broad jump exceeds those of Welker and Amendola. So, I mean, he does have some favorable stats to match up to some guys that really did find their way in the league. If you had to predict what Hastings is, is going to do in the league, what would you say? Well, you think Bill Belichick first and foremost. He's always – he plays these mind games. and. Yeah. I think him bringing Hastings to New England, he knows that Stidham has a relationship with him. So, so first and foremost, it's going to make his starting quarterback feel more comfortable. And then number two is they feel like with Hastings, it can be a project in a good way. They feel like, hey, we can bring this guy in, develop him, even if he doesn't make the 53-man roster, we can keep him on practice squad and while we keep developing. And then once we feel like we're ready to un unleash him out to, to the 53-man roster, we can do that. And because they are looking at it like, hey, we did this with Wes Welker, we did this with Amendola, and guess what? Hastings came to Auburn playing a different position. Yep. And then he ended up playing receiver. So, you know, and Hastings is good from 5 to 10 yards. And I mean that in a positive way. What I mean is he's a great option runner. And what did mm -hmm. Wes Welker and Amendola do? They was great option runners. Third down in the NFL is all about man matchups and can you have good option runners. That's why McCaffrey has so many catches, so many catches for Carolina because out of the backfield, he ran a ton of option routes on third down. And yeah. so he becomes a big part of offense. So what so I'm about to call Hastings Wes Welker, but Hastings for him. <laughs> is that Hastings can become their third down move the change guy. Like, mm -hmm. Village is not looking for him just to scratch the field and score a touchdown. He's trying to see on third and three, third and four, he's comfortable with Stidham. They played together. So if this kid does come in and make our 53-man roster, he's our third down protege when it's third and four or less because we can use him to isolate him on option routes with a linebacker or on a safety. And I feel like he can win that battle nine out of ten times because of his quickness. I'll be interested to see what happens with that one. I just wanted to get your opinion. Definitely congratulations to all the guys who saw that dream come true, specifically our Auburn guys. Uh, we're all behind you and excited to see what you do in this next chapter. Well, before we bring in Takeo Spikes, want to mention one quick little thing that the NCAA decided to do. So there has been a rule change in college football, and basically the rule is a clock administration rule regarding instant replay. So in the amended rule, according to the NCAA, Quote, if the game clock expires at the end of a half and replay determines that there was time remaining and the clock should start on the referee's signal after review, there must be at least three seconds remaining when the ball should have been declared dead to restore time on the clock. If less than three seconds remain, the half is over. I, I don't think it's necessary, personally. Well, the thing is... I hate, you know, it's unfortunate that they're removing this rule because you think back over time, like how many games have been won and lost with one second on them. Yeah. They have become historic ball games. You know, I'm talking about games that go back in time. Like, yes, Auburn beat beat them with a one second on the clock with the field goal, and we run it all the way back for the pick six. I mean, kick six for touchdown. And then all of a sudden, you know, this past year with the with the one second on the clock, it went against Alabama again. So Saban has lost an opportunity to go play in the playoffs and compete for a national championship twice. And he's still chasing to break the record. And mm -hmm. 
And then you look at like the LSU game we had at home, I think it was 2017, uh, with one second on the clock. And they end up, you know, hiking the ball, but they say he didn't get it off. They end up catching it for a touchdown pass and it didn't happen and we won. So yes, we have been on the opposite side. We have been on the winning side of these one seconds, but that one could have gone against us. But when they reviewed it, when the referee blew the whistle and they snapped the ball, the one second had expired. So, you know, it's just that I just feel like they should have just left it alone and just yeah. let it be. But um, at the same time, you find out in these type of situation, like who runs college football mm-hmm. and who's in the big seats. Because, you know, I have respect for Saban as a coach. You know, he's one of the best coaches ever coaching in, in our game. But yeah. at the same time, though, sometimes you got to be just like you're willing to accept victories and championships. You have to be willing to accept when someone beats you, you just get beat. And yep. sometimes you get caught, you get caught. And that's just the way it is. You know, that's sports. You know, you're not going to win them all. You're not going to lose them all. But there's so many one seconds that's won. Championships are won in basketball. One second on the clock. Point four seconds on the clock in basketball games have been won. Just by right. someone throwing the ball in and with a tip and it goes in like if you remove that you remove a lot of history like so I just feel like it's something that they should just left alone you know we can always go back and be picking and choose about this and that and and things like that but sometimes you can't keep changing the game every year to your advantage right to your advantage so when are we going to get to a point where Rules got to stop changing every year. So many rules have changed every year in the NFL, and then yep. so many rules have changed so every year in college football. Like I can't even keep up with all of them. So I'm like, how the refs keeping up with all of this? I'm just like, totally. it changed too too much too quickly. It is all about because someone feel entitled. We got to get rid of this entitlement and start understanding. Like, God, we're all under the same rules. Like, if you want to win, be smarter in those situations. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. just that we have to understand, like, games are won and lost with one second on the clock. That's right. that's sports. That's that is- how It's been that way for so many years. So we can't keep changing it for your advantage because it's kept you from going to a national championship two mm-hmm. years and everything. We can't do nothing about that. Right. So we just have to get to a point where, like, when it's enough, it's enough. It's undermining an aspect of the game that, like, has never needed to be undermined before. So it just, I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. I completely agree with you about it. You are potentially going to rob some historic moments and, like, the essence of college football when something goes down to the absolute wire. That kick six, which was my senior year, will forever be one of the best memories of my entire life. Like, it there's something so real about sports moments like that. And Mm -hmm. you are now potentially taking those away. So I am with you on this one. Well, freaking it said, well, we are going to bring in the legend that is Takeo Spikes. But before we do that, I got to tell you guys about our awesome sponsor. I've told you guys about them before, but just in case you forgot, while you're waiting out this crazy quarantine time at home, you can still be having some fun betting at betonline.ag. And I know there isn't, you know, NBA, NHL, MLB, the normal things that you can bet on, but they are getting pretty creative at Bet Online, and there are still hundreds of places to wager, including an online casino with poker and blackjack. And sports aren't totally done. There's still versions of it for you to bet on. We've got some esports. We've even got a $750,000 
Poker Series. So there's plenty of fun to be had at betonline.ag. And if you use our promo code MYPOD100, they are going to give you a welcome bonus on your first deposit. So again, that's betonline.ag, promo code MYPOD100. All right, Auburn fans, I hope you're as excited for this one as I am. We are joined by former linebacker, 15-year NFL vet, the one and only Takeo Spikes. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. I've been beating down the block. I've been hitting Jason up, but he's, <laughs> he's too busy out here working with you, Taylor. And then he's, and when he's not working with you, I see him on his Instagram page grilling out, and, he, mm-hmm. and I never get an invite, so... I don't know what's going on. It's social distance right now. It's social distance right now. Oh, and Takeo, your neck is a size 38. So <laughs> that means I need about 12 feet from you. You know what I'm saying? I still don't even know how you wear custom shirts. Man. I don't even know how you, where you get your shirts, bro, bro. Where you get your shirts oh, made, bro, bro? There's no way that a shirt can fit around your neck from a it, regular it, it North. It can now. I, I, listen, I, I've, I've lost weight. I don't lift. I don't. I don't lift as hard anymore. So now mm. I can't. I still can't go in and buy off the rack. But what I can do is, because I save my money, I can go get one of those custom shirts that'll make sure that it fits. Well, that's, uh, that's good, brother. That's good. You gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, truly, there are like so many different facets of your career that I could ask you about. But I'm gonna start the way that I always do because as an Auburn grad, this is the freaking dream to get to talk to so many of the greats and have them reminisce on their college days a little. So when you think back to your playing days at Auburn, what are still some of your favorite memories or games that, that still stand out to you? Some of my favorite memories are, I remember like before we even get to the games, I just remember how hard it was. Like it was, Taylor, it was hard. And I, and I know Jason probably shared a lot of stories with you, but I remember coming in and, and we had three a days to where every practice was at least two hours long. So you had a morning practice at least two hours long, an afternoon for special teams, and then you had a late afternoon practice. And those, those were the times to where it was, you figured out like how much did you love the game or how yeah. much did you have riding on the scholarship that you earned. But I remember, you know, working out guys throwing up. Those are the, the best stories though. <laughs> when you go through the winter workout drills and guys are not in shape and, and, uh, and, and, you know, you see certain guys almost passing out and just coming back to the breakfast table after it's all over with and laughing about it. Um, I remember the game day, like games, games were easy just because it was so hard. And I remember having Wayne Hall, love Wayne Hall to death. Um, mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Kurt Crane, Rodney Garner was there. Love Rodney Garner. He's like a big brother, another father figure to me who brought me in. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I could, I can go on and on. I can tell you this It's it's, I think the question may need to be, like, what didn't you like about Auburn? And I, I don't have anything. I just, I love it all the way around. Everything that it provided, it's Auburn. And I tell a lot of recruits this all the time. Like, it's, it's so much history, so much tradition. 
And in order for Auburn to be able to bridge that gap and get those players, it's not by accident that they have uh, Travis T. Will. Mm-hmm. It's not by accident that they brought Rodney Garner back. And you look at the entire staff, I want to say we damn near got close to er- damn near every coach played for Auburn or went yep. to Auburn at some point in time. And so when I look at Auburn, that's the same way it is. You got a sense of pride because that's the reason why the history can be bridged with the younger players because you actually have the history coaching to be able to catch those younger players and the new generation up. Oh, good stuff. Well, I'm going to take you back a little bit. Now, well, yeah, this is way back, way back, about 23 years ago for you, Takiyo. You know, as athletes, oh, we always – <laughs> yeah, 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 we're getting older, brother. But <laughs> when you think about this, man, like, as athletes, we always think about the games. People always say, man, what's the most memorable games you always have? And to me, it's not the ones that you win. To me, it's the ones that got away. So when I think about – the SEC championship game in 1997. Man, y'all was playing a great game. Defense was balling. You know, Damian Craig was putting up some good numbers. And, you know, I just feel like y'all was about to win the game. When you think back to that game, what's the one thing you remember the most that you feel like, I wish I would have done, or I wish this happened, and had this not happened, we'd have been, we'd have been where we needed to be? Oh, man. I'm going to share something with you, man. And I've never shared this with anybody. And it it bothered me for years. It really bothered me for years because um, you know how much we put into the game. But I was very – when I walked away from that SEC championship game, understanding, if I'm not mistaken, we forced six turnovers, Uh scored 16 points on the defensive side. And still lost by one point. Hmm. Now, I know the game. It's, a, it's such a great game. It's such a great team sport. But I was, even though I left and I went on to the league, I was, I was bitter. I was, I was upset, like, mm-hmm. with a lot of my teammates, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Because, I, you know, I, <clears throat> it, it bothered me. Like, I, I, like on every level. Up until that time, I I not only played in the championship game, I won one, yeah. and and I felt like I was like, man, how can we get so close and you're not ready? I remember guys dropping balls out on the field. I remember offensive linemen jumping outside. I remember Damian Craig was oh, Damian Craig, one of the best players I've ever been around. And I remember him just trying to will every guy on the offensive side of that ball to get them to play better. And I, I was a little bitter. You know, I, I mean, I don't hold any grudges. But I was bitter from that. And it, it really, like, like you said, like, it ain't, it's not so much of the wins that you remember, but it's the losses. And then, I, you know, I played with I played a great game. I had two forced turnovers. I was all up in Peyton Manning's face. And... <laughs> and still walk away with the L. But how you going to get defensive MVP of the game and you lose, but they yes. win the championship game? Yeah. Like, that's, like, you know, that's what bothered me. I was like, man, come on, man. Well, I think those feelings are almost inevitable when you have the heart for the game, 
that I know you two both had. I think that those directly correlate. If you have that much love and passion for the game, those kinds of losses aren't going to be something that you can just put to the past very quickly. It, it totally makes sense to me. And I, when I think back to, to your playing style, it was intensity. If that even does it justice, sometimes that doesn't, that feels too weak, but you did, you played with intensity. And I think to the current culture of, of the defense at Auburn and that, it feels to be what it's it's being centered around again. That defensive culture has really been establishing itself the past few seasons. A lot of credit to Kevin Steele and, and what he demands from that defense. So I would love to get your perception and, and opinion on this defensive culture at Auburn now and, and maybe some guys that have really been impressing you in the past few seasons. First of all, when I, when I think about defense, I think about cohesion. I think that's what makes – Kevin Steele so good at what he does by allowing his coaches to be able to coach. And I'm speaking from firsthand experience of being in there, you know, watching how he teaches the guys, how he's able to communicate and allowing guys to have some freedom. Okay. So I'll let you take a chance and play this way, but if you don't make the play or if you don't do it, then now you got to do it my way. And so I think a lot of it, it gives, ownership to the players and when that's the biggest compliment that as a player that you can receive from a coach is when he gives you a little he gives you some leeway in order for you to be able to make plays to fit your capabilities or your athletic ability and so I I I love what he's doing but I, I truly think this team is going to be lights out this upcoming year Mm-hmm. And the reason why we know how much we put an importance on the quarterback position. Right. And you have Bo Nix coming into his second year and he's a football junkie. And you look at the pedigree where he comes from. I, I just think, honestly, when you look at what they've been able to do and what they haven't been able to do, I think a lot of it from team success is tied to the quarterback position. And now that, we have Bo coming into his second year to have so much success as a rookie. And I remember one game I was watching in London. I stayed up. Oh, man, it was like it didn't come on until 11 o'clock at night over there. But I found a place to watch it. But I remember they were playing Florida. And I was like, oh, man, the, 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 you know, the, they finally caught up with the rookie. You know, and it, and it happens. It, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. And but the thing I walked away from that game looking at, he continued to fight and he wanted to make sure that he did not make that same mistake twice. That's what I saw moving forward. And so for me, I was like, I hate that we lost against Florida, but SEC, you better watch out next year because I know what he's going to put into it. Agreed. Yeah, that's an awesome point, man. Um like I said, you're a defensive guy. You know, you play with some greats. You know, London Fletcher, you know, one of the guys I got a chance to play with in the pros. And, you know, this guy brings it, you know, and did it for 17 years. And both of you guys played a long time in the NFL. And that linebacker position is, t- is such a tenacious position. Uh, when I think of some of the Auburn guys that I played with, you know, and Dansby and Dontarius Thomas and, and Travis and, you know, and then before them was yourself and, and, and everything. And so you think about these guys, what is it about linebackers that you feel like can change the game 
I think it's one of the it's 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 truly a position to where there's not an excuse for you not to be in on plays. Meaning, if they run the football, you got an opportunity to go get the football. If they pass the football, you have an opportunity to play pass zone coverage or man-to-man and be able to have some impact in the game. And so when I look at uh, K.J. Britt, um, when you look at him, bro, he comes to that ball with bad intentions. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I love the – listen, I, I, I fell in love with him last year. Like, he was just straight downhill, just hard-nosed. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I would love to see is Owen. Mm-hmm. O, um, Owen, he was the Papo. number one linebacker, Papo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Owen Papo. I was, I'm looking forward to see what he does because this is a big year. He was the number one linebacker coming out of high school. Yeah. And so um, I'm curious to see his growth development from year one to year two. I am as well. Uh, we talked to T. Will last week, and and he has high hopes for this group heading into next season. And and I really feel like they're laying a solid foundation at that position. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, obviously, a, a new era in the NFL just began as the draft took place this past weekend. So we'd love to get your input. What were some of your standout picks or even surprises from the draft? I think the biggest surprise that I saw. It wasn't a surprise to me, but Miami having the picks that they had in the first round mm-hmm. and two are still going number five. And I think what it shows you is, yeah, you know, of course they assume that he's going to be healthy and they feel like he showed enough before the draft to where like, okay, we can take a chance and be able to get a quarterback. But I think it, it what it also shows is the NFL is a copycat league. And what I mean by that is you look at what Lamar Jackson did for the Baltimore Ravens. You got defensive coordinators right now at this moment still trying to figure out how in the hell do we stop (laughs) And so when we look at Tua and we look at Lamar Jackson, uh, they both have some of the same similarities, but game is totally different. Yeah. And so I, I just think from it being a copycat league, I think you now you're seeing more of a value is now being put on quarterbacks who not only can throw the football but have but have the capability to be elusive, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's another thing. Like I go back to one of my favorite college players of all time, Damian Craig. I I truly believe Damian was so he was he was ahead of his time, and I just thought coaches did not know how to coach him nor did they know how to – Jimbo did, but they did not know how to put them in positions to be able to highlight their talent. Right. So, you know, I, I think that's the biggest surprise that I saw that I look forward to seeing continuing to grow when you look at that quarterback position in the NFL. No, that's a great point, man. Like you said, nowadays it used to be in the NFL where guys got to fit the system where now coaches are changing that. Mm-hmm. When you look at Andy Reid and you look at um, what Harbaugh was doing up in, in Baltimore is they understand the ability and the talent that they have at the position to a point now they're saying, guys, we're going to play to the strength of what our quarterbacks do very well. And right. Andy Reid is a prime example of that because what he did with Alex Smith, 
he did what Alex Smith did really great. But then when Mahomes got the offense, you see the ball go down the field. But why? Because Mahomes' arm strength is a lot stronger than Alex. So that's a sign of a great coach when you're able to adapt to what your player do so great instead of being stubborn and saying, no, you got to fit this system or you got to do this or do that. Like, to me, you're taking away the kids' abilities and the talents. And and it's I'm glad the game is changing and evolving a little bit because it's hard to sit back when you know you can do something so so great, but then you're not allowed to do it. And right. uh yeah. And so because and so, I've gone through that, you know, I've gone through that. And, you know, luckily I've had some coaches come along and able to get that and, and build an offense that fits my abilities and uh, and everything. But, you know, back into the NFL and everything, you know, the first question is just talk about like Derrick Brown, the impact he's going to make on the Panthers. And then think of and then, you know, the opposite side of it is, you know, where do you think Cam ends up at? Hmm. Oh, man, great question. Derrick Brown, I think he's going to be I think he's going to be spectacular. And I haven't said this to any other media outlets. I haven't even said it on my Behind the Mask podcast, which I will now since I'm giving it to you. (laughs) But I think I I truly believe I'm not saying Derrick Brown is the next um, Reggie White. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is we haven't seen anything that from a statue wise, similar to Reggie White and as just as athletic. And that's Derrick Brown. Mm-hmm. I truly believe this young man is going to be unstoppable when he get in the National Football League. As long as he continues to do the little things that made him into the player that he is today, he's unblockable. I remember... Like, we talk about the plays that you don't make. I remember them playing against LSU. He had two guys holding him, and it still did not garnish a flag for holding. And that was the play he did make, but it just showed me, like, man, this dude is unstoppable. So when I look at him and look at Carolina, is already known for defense anyway. That's, that's, that's something they take pride in. And so it's not by accident that, they decided to take their first pick and, and beef up the front in the beginning. So, you know, from that perspective, I know he'll be good. Now, when we look at Cam Newton, I, I, I really don't like the situation. I don't like Cam being out there left out long. And, and this is the reason why typically, it's not necessarily for quarterbacks, but typically, when you see players who get signed in free agency, when you see players who don't get signed right before the draft, and then when you see players linger in that time period after the draft leading up to training camp, typically that means your money is going low. And if your, if your money is low, that means those teams are starting to devalue what you do or what you can do. And so when you look at it from that, I see Cam being – I feel like they're kind of devaluing him. And, you know, point plain and simple. Cam Newton is an NFL starting quarterback, one. Cam Newton is not a stopgap player, meaning, okay, he can come here and play for a little while, but we'll draft somebody the next year. Man, this guy is a franchise quarterback. And so, you know, people say, well, why isn't he signed? Well, why isn't this? Is he asking for too much money? Well, Cam has value. And I will put Cam resume up against any quarterback in the league when Cam is healthy 
and look at what he's been able to do from a team success compared to when he wasn't healthy. I mean, it's just plain and simple. So I don't know what it is, but I'm always going to – and it, and it's and – it's, I'm not – this is coming from a biased show because I'm on an Auburn show, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I talk football. I like football players, and he's a damn good football player that needs to be signed to somebody's team. I was thinking, like, it could be a possibility because Cam is one of the only few quarterbacks that really gave Bill Belichick the business. And I was yeah. like, you know what? Sometimes if you look at, you know, the, the, what, what's that saying is, uh, the, greatest, the greatest form of flattery is imitation. Yeah. And so, you know, may, maybe I thought for a minute, I thought maybe we might see Cam Newton in a New England Patriots journey. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just my speculation, though. Yeah, it's certainly been weird. I mean, he's been synonymous with the Panthers for the past nine years. Like it just, the entire identity is going to be completely different for this organization. But I I do agree with what you said about Derek. I think that he's going to really make a splash. And I think he's exactly what this Panthers team needed. Well, we are going to let you go wrap this one up. But I do want to hear a little bit about your other ventures. Maybe tell everybody where they can continue to follow along. Here's some different things that you're doing. I've been privy to the fact that you two are a podcast host so if you want to tell us about the behind the mask podcast and just any other outlets that people can continue to follow you yeah definitely i i definitely would like to um start with the behind the mask podcast simply just because it's um it's it's my podcast number one but number two uh it's so different uh, myself, two-time Reds, another NFL legend. He's my co-host. And we started it a few months ago, back in the football season 2019. And uh, we give just some of the things that we give, like a lot of insight on, mix of game analysis. We do plenty of in-depth interviews with athletes, also celebrities. The topics that we discuss a wide range, including fatherhood, relationships business ventures, also social issues, and most importantly, untold stories by the athletes. Because what it's turning out to be is a a platform to where everybody who comes on, they have a vulnerable moment. And that's the reason why I think it's so special because we as athletes, you know, we all want to act macho or anybody who has achieved success at the premium. But I love when they share the untold stories of how did they become good? How did they get from good and then take the next step to being great? So yeah. uh, that's what it's about. We, we drop an episode out every Monday. It's on all streaming platforms, including YouTube. And um, yeah, definitely want everybody to check that out because um, we, we, we bring some heat every week. So, and hopefully we'll have Marlon on that. I know Marlon, Marlon Davidson, He'll come on, and then we'll get Derek on too. And uh, so that's my action, my 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 action call to all of my Auburn fans. Make sure you download the podcast at the BTM Podcast on all platforms. 
I love that. And, and I love that premise because the reality is, you know, in the, in the sports and entertainment world, I mean, like it's a very saturated market. So to hear the stories that haven't necessarily been told or, or told in the volume that you get the opportunity to bring forward, I think that makes it so unique and, and really special. So Auburn family, make sure you go hit that up, subscribe, be a loyal follower. Takiyo, thank you so much for joining Jason and I today. It's awesome to hear from you. Yeah, man. We appreciate it, brother. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. All right, everybody. That does it for us this week on Everything Auburn. As always, Jason and I so appreciate all of you tuning in, listening to us each week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love to talk all things Auburn, have some wonderful guests along the way. So we certainly appreciate the Auburn family following along. Everyone have a great week. Hopefully we are close to the finish line for this thing and we will be able to return to normal soon. Hopefully that also includes college football. I'm just saying prayers up. Everyone stay healthy. War Eagle. War Eagle, everyone. Stay safe, stay patient. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.